Hey, business building warrior, welcome to Silent Sales Machine Radio. I've got a guest I'll be bringing on today, which is what we've done hundreds of times on this podcast. We bring on guests who are successful students of the Proven Amazon course, which is the flagship training course that launched this podcast. There's a link to it at silentgym.com. You can see on my little lanyard here, if you're watching on YouTube today, thanks for joining us. Most people listen to our episodes. Uh, Did you know, by the way, that we've got hundreds of episodes that aren't on YouTube? So if you enjoy these and you happen to be watching us on YouTube, jump over to silentgym.com, click on podcast, and you'll see a whole bunch of recent interviews with successful students who are using the strategies we teach to succeed and build beautiful businesses and multiple streams of income using the internet creatively. That's what this show is about. Today's guest, his name is Rad. What a great name, right? He served his country honorably as a Marine. He was a school teacher and a school counselor for a while, had some health issues, brought him home, became entrepreneurially minded and jumped into e-commerce. Now he's built a beautiful business, beautiful five-figure per month business that's scaling very quickly. We're interviewing him just a few months into his journey and already he's putting up some great numbers with a lot of momentum and a very bright future. I think you'll love his humility, his insights. He's providing some very practical tips and strategies today as well uh, that you're going to really enjoy. He's going to be joining us along with his family, as you'll hear us discuss today, in Orlando at The Proven Conference. That's our annual gathering of listeners to this podcast. We had about 650, 700 people join us last year. In 2024, we're going to do it again, May 23rd through 25th of 2024 in Orlando, Florida. Plan to join us. Put it on your calendar. The website is theprovenconference.com. Three words, theprovenconference.com. Rad will be there with his family, as well as dozens of the guests that you've heard interviewed on this podcast and hundreds of listeners people from our Facebook group, about 74,000 of us in our Facebook group. They hang out all day, every day. It's a free group. You can come see about 1,900 posted success stories in our Facebook group from people who are doing the stuff we teach here. There's a link to all that at silentgym.com. Check it out. We'd love to have you as part of our community, but let's jump over and meet Mr. Rad. And I love the way he starts the episode today with a question that he had for me. So we spend just a couple minutes at the beginning talking about some personal stuff. And uh, he actually dove into a bit of my family's history and had a pretty good question. I had some fun answering it. Hopefully you enjoy that as well. A little bit of World War II story from my family. And and so hopefully that's meaningful to you. Um, Hopefully we don't bore you too much with my family history, but I think it's a pretty cool story. So hopefully you enjoy that. But we get into plenty of great content today, very practical tips and strategies. Even those who may have been doing this business, selling on Amazon for a considerable amount of time, I learned a few new things today, so I know you will as well. So enjoy today's episode. Thanks for hanging out with us. So Rad, welcome to Silent Sales Machine Radio. Good to meet you, man. Thanks. I appreciate you having me. Long time listener, first time talker. Yeah, I hear you, man. All right. So you've done some of the, you've listened to a few talk shows over the days. I've had a few people say that at the beginning. I love it. I get that reference. Yeah. Man, I'd, I'd love to get into your story and hear uh, your journey of e-commerce and uh, Amazon, man. Let's dive in. You ready? Sure. Uh, before we got started, I did want to ask you, I know yesterday was Pearl Harbor Day and yeah. uh, just what little I know about you and your family. I, I appreciate the sacrifice that your uncle made, but uh, I, don't, I don't know if you'll do anything special for that. I just wanted to say thanks. I appreciate it. So it goes I, a long way. I appreciate you noticing that detail about my family, Rad. And uh, since you opened that door, I'll... I'll tell a quick little story to start the episode. If you're to visit the big island uh, in Hawaii and you go out to the uh, 
memorial. There's the USS Arizona is buried at sea there. And mm-hmm. they've actually, uh, it's one of the only buried at sea memorials that I'm aware of. I think it's the only one. Uh, the only one I'm aware of, yeah. Yeah, my my grandpa's brother at the age of 17 or 18, I think he may have got in a little early. But regardless, he was young, just sleeping below deck on the Arizona uh, when Pearl Harbor, when the attack, when the Japanese attacked, and he was killed, one of the first casualties wow. of before U.S. had declared war, died below deck. Sure, sure. 7:48 uh, so, a.m. Yeah, exactly. He was asleep below deck, man. I, I, and we don't know how he perished exactly. We don't have those details, but his name is emblazoned, and my brother's actually named after him, Kenneth Cockrum. So if you're ever out there and you see the memorial, look for Kenneth Cockrum. That's my was- grandpa's brother. So my grandpa enlisted along with a bunch of his buddies, fought, uh, served valiantly, and, and came back with the battle scars that you'd expect for, you know, World War II sure. was pretty brutal and and um, highly decorated. But one of our family's prized possessions that I've got in my closet right there, it's about six feet away from me right now, and uh, was a, a Japanese flag that my grandpa took off of a soldier that he killed in hand-to-hand combat. But he oh, brought it home, gave it. it to my dad under with this request. He said, I want you to make friends with someone from Japan at some point and gift it to them as a way of kind of helping the two nations heal from what we just went through. How cool is that? Sure. Right? But my dad sure. just couldn't part really ways cool. with it. He gave it to me. And right. I just couldn't part ways with it. So it's kind of the possession of my son, although I'm holding it for him, my oldest son who served in the military, and I've given him the same thing. Hey, make, you know, if you, at some point when you make a good friend out of someone who's Japanese, uh, gift this to them from our family. And it just hasn't happened yet. It's hard to let go right. of it, but yeah. Right. One day. That's a pretty neat, that's a pretty neat heritage, though, that you know, he had the forethought to you know, bring something back like that, and yeah. he wanted it handled that way. So that's pretty yeah. neat. It, it speaks a lot to the, you know, the kind of men that I've had as mentors and, and um, that have kind of shaped who I am. And, you know, we, we will do what it takes, but uh, he didn't hold a grudge. He had no hate in his heart. One of the most giving, caring, kind, gentle men you'll ever meet. But when his country needed a man, he, st- he stepped up and, and sure. uh, you know, impacted history. The greatest generation, right? He was at the heart of it. That's man. right. Miss them every day. But thanks for the opportunity yeah. to share that little story at the beginning. I appreciate that, man. I, I don't yeah, get asked welcome. a lot of questions along those lines on the podcast. So. I mean, you're the only person I know that even knows someone, much less is related to someone. So I just, I think that's pretty spectacular. I mean, it's a, a difficult thing, certainly for your family to have gone through, but I just think that's pretty neat. So. Yeah, it's part, part of our story. And uh, I carry the Cockrum name proudly. And I've told all my sons, especially, it's, an, it's, it's something you're going to carry with you your entire life. And a right. lot of really good men have shaped the reputation behind that name. And that, that's a big gift you've been given. Mm-hmm. So carry it with pride and, and treat it with the sure. respect and honor it deserves. So yeah, it's it's a, it's a it's a beautiful thing to me. It really is. It's a beautiful part of our heritage. I got to tell my grandpa on his deathbed, I said, I'll make sure that uh, we never forget that part of our family story. And he just smiled. Sure. He was unable to talk at that time. He just smiled. So right. that's a good memory I have with him. But all right, Rad. Hey, man, this is e-commerce, dude. Yep, sorry. Uh, I'm going to take us back to, uh, you know, I spent six years as an active duty Marine when I got Thank off active duty. Thank you for your service. Uh, you're welcome. Uh, I mean, I see uh, probably one reason that your story really resonated with me is, I mean, my six years was uh, 2002 to 2006, and the infantry was pretty busy during that time. Uh, I got married in, in 2008, excuse me, is when I got out. And uh, my wife said that I couldn't play with guns and trucks all day, which is kind of what I did, but not really. Were you and, deployed uh, then? I was, yes, sir. I, I did four deployments. Uh, I went to yeah. Afghanistan twice, Iraq once, and uh, Guantanamo Bay uh, wow. for one as well. 
So it was, I mean, the, the first 30 months that I was in service, I remember I was at home, or excuse me, I was gone 24 out of those 30 months. Uh, wow. The first 30 months I was on active duty when I got done with my training. So it was, wow. uh, it was pretty busy, but it was great. I loved it. Yeah. Made some really good friends. Yeah. It was, it was a special time, but uh, it was a very busy time. I certainly wouldn't want to do it now with you know wife and two children because I was gone all the time. I mean, sure. gone all the time. Sure. So. Oh, thank you for but, serving. Uh, you're welcome. Thank you. In in 2008, I got off active duty, went back to school, and became a school counselor. And I spent about 12 years. Uh, I was an elementary, middle, and a high school counselor. Sometimes all at the same time when I worked at the alternative school. And uh, the last four years or so, I was in um, public education. I had some real serious health problems, and uh, I realized a couple things during that time. One. Uh, the the school district wasn't going to resolve the problem. I mean, the problem was there was mold in the buildings. It took me about a year and a half and, I don't know, wow. five doctors, a couple MRIs. I mean, it took me a long time to figure out you know, and identify what the problem was. And then the school district just kept saying, oh, there is no problem. Well, you know, my body's telling me differently. And I'm a, you know, kind of a difficult person to pass up something. I don't, I don't quit often. And uh, finally, after four years, I realized I'm pretty sure I'm just making myself miserable. And this is never going to change. So I moved on. Uh, I wasn't really intending to move on, but I, I just felt like God moved me in a different direction. I didn't have a choice about it. Uh, you know, if, if he didn't create those that difficult, I mean, that's some of the most difficult uh, times in my life that I've ever had to deal with. Uh, the biggest problem is you know, some molds produce what's called a mycotoxin, and it gave me it just creates inflammation. And so I'd have a headache from the minute I got up in the morning until I could fall asleep at night. And sometimes it, it just got worse throughout the day. And as the months went on, I just couldn't live like it anymore. I struggled with depression for a while, quite a bit of the time. That's intense. Uh, How quick did it so, clear up after you were out of that environment? Well, the problem is, and that's what first you know, kind of clued me in that, hey, maybe there's something wrong with this building is I spent about a month out of the building one summer and I realized, wait a second, I'm starting to actually feel a little bit better. And so, uh, but it, it takes about... I don't know, about six to eight weeks for it to really completely, me to completely feel like it's out of my system. Um, the worst part is the headache. But I mean, you know, I don't know if you've ever had any family members who, you know, experience uh, some loss of memory in their older age. I I've had the opportunity to help some folks in our family through that. And uh, that's what I felt like, you know, when they, when they look at you and they know they have something to say, they just can't get the words out. I mean, that's what I, I, names have always been really easy for me. I would forget little things like people's names. I forgot how to use a tape measure one time. I mean, I've, I've almost built three houses. I forgot how to use a tape measure because your brain is you know, so stressed and so taxed by all of this. It, it creates lots of problems that people just aren't aware of. And uh, it, it was the right time for me to move on. But it was not really what I was intending to do. So I got off or I, I left the school district, not really sure what I was going to do. I just knew I couldn't keep doing that. And because uh, I, I just couldn't live like that anymore. And uh, I, I originally what I wanted to do when I first got uh, left school or left school counseling is I wanted to I wanted to open a scrap metal recycling center. I've been doing that as a hobby for many, many years. And what I quickly realized is that you know, no one wants to hire someone with a you know over a master's degree worth of education uh, for an hourly rate uh, job that they assume are not going to stay very long. So I struggled for about six months trying to figure out what I was going to do. And my brother was installing the cabinets. He built installed the cabinets for my sister's house. And so I was just over there helping him because it's here in town. 
And uh, he mentioned, you know, one of his friends, well, he's a mutual friend of ours, but I met him through uh, my brother and that he was selling stuff on Amazon. And I said, I, I think I would like to talk with him about that. I've bought and sold stuff on the internet you know, for 20 years. As a matter of fact, when I, you know, when I was in graduate school, I sold my bought and sold my books. You know, that was pretty much what they were. And uh, I even created a couple listings back in the day to sell some other random stuff that I had around the house. But uh, so I'd always kind of you know, dabbled with selling stuff. I just didn't have any real direction. That was just something I did as a hobby. So went and met in Atlanta, which is, I don't know, about three or four hours from where we are. Uh, I went and met with um, my friend and his brother, or my brother and his friend, and uh, had breakfast with him and just talked with him about what he was doing. What he's doing is replans. And he you know, gave me some homework to check out some of the podcasts that uh, you have. And uh, he gave me some, uh, some of the, he, he told me about the pack course and he gave me some of the modules to work through. And that was in like December of 22. and. At that time, yeah, I like probably to overanalyze sometimes before I, I jump in on things. Uh, once I'm in, I, I don't typically hesitate to make decisions, but I spent about six or eight weeks, maybe two months, going through a number of the modules in the Proven Amazon course. I mean, like, I started from the beginning of the podcast and just started listening to any ones that I thought would be relevant. And uh, finally, in February, I realized that you know, it was time to you know, get on the horse and ride instead of just walking next to it and looking at the scenery. That's so about nine. So I, about nine months or so ago, you got serious. You, you started kind of uh, looking yeah, at it about, about a year ago. It's, it's about 10 months ago that I really, I mean, I, my first actual sale occurred on February 28th. So I don't remember exactly you know, when that got sent in, but the first sale was on February 28th. And the full, the, the month of March, man, I was, I was riding the gravy train on biscuit wheels, as my brother would say. And uh, I thought I was doing great. I mean, I, I had about 5,500 in sales. I had 30% net margin. I mean, I thought this is awesome. And, you know, I, I lost my biscuit wheels in the month of April. And I, I think what happened, what we think happened is that somebody found my storefront and shared, you know, the two or three listings that I had that were, had sold a lot of in March. And so by the time the end of April, middle of May came around, uh, my sales had dropped to just a fraction of what they were that first month. Mm. And I couldn't even sell the stuff that I was selling really well that first month. So Wait, uh, what lessons to... did you pick up from that? You mentioned a handful of ASINs that were doing really well. And how did you pivot at that at that point? I'm sure that's probably where you're going next in the story, but but I want to emphasize that there's a point I want to be sure to make here if you haven't learned that lesson already. Go ahead. So I think what I, the biggest thing that I learned is you know, being consistent about making sure you're sending stuff in. But you know, success is not the time to rest on your laurels and, and watch it happen. And uh, I wasn't really watching it happen. It just happened so quickly and then went away so quickly. I didn't have a chance to you know, have other ASINs that I was sending in. I mean, I was still in the testing phase of stuff. And all of a sudden, I was selling more of the stuff that I could, you know, source and send in. And then it went from selling more of it that I could source and send in to selling none of it. And I still had a whole bunch of it that I'd sent in because it all happened so quickly. So mm -hmm. don't outpunt your coverage. I mean, it, but it don't don't be you know, more aggressive than you need to. But be consistent about you know finding stuff. You know, I stopped and focused a lot of time on sourcing that and sent those, those few things and sending them in rather than continuing to find ASINs and source that. And yeah. uh, that's where I think I, I, that's the lesson I took away from it, at least. Absolutely. And one, one of the the rules, and you'll hear it come up around here all the time, if there was like a top 10 commandments of replens, you know, which again, replens is one of numerous strategies for success on Amazon. 
but it's mm-hmm. where we start everybody for the most part, 99% of our students, like, you know, your brother and friend referred you and like, yeah, that's, this is where you need to start. But one of them, the rules is always be finding more ASINs and that mm-hmm. solves and covers every challenge you're going to sure. run into, because we know for a fact that whatever ASIN you're on right now that you like, it's got a, it's got a lifespan. It's going to be gone. It could be tomorrow. It could be a year and a half from now. You do not know, which is why you don't want to go in super deep on any of them. At least I love that analogy. Don't out punt your coverage. The good football NFL analogy. That's right. Uh, Because we see it all the time. People like, oh, wow, I can get this at a 20% discount if I buy a thousand units. Let's go, man. And then before the shipment even gets to them, (laughs) someone's come along and ordered 10,000 units and cut the price in half. Nothing you can do to control that. So yeah, you want to stay nice and shallow on a bunch of different listings as a strategy. So I'm glad we spent some time on that. Just to, if there's some new listeners, especially to make sure they understand that. Right. Never have more than a month's worth of anything on hand. And maybe that's a little aggressive for, for some of the newer ASINs that you're testing. Uh, yeah, I definitely wouldn't. Uh, I mean, w- what I have since done is, you know, I've just gone back to, I usually don't get more than three if I'm testing something. And if those three sell in 30, to, you know, maybe 45 days at the most, I'll send in six and then I just can have continued to grow up from there. And That's right. Because, but I mean, I think if, you know, I was so early, I was so new in what I was doing. I had so few ASINs. I think I had about 30 ASINs at the time. And I think it was three of them that were selling really well. And those three just completely flatlined, but I still had inventory that was going in because I was, I was adding up. Okay. If I sold this many this week and I sold this many you know, the last week, okay, I'm, I'm continuing to send them in. And then all of a sudden I realized, you know, after about two weeks, wait a second, I'm not selling any more of these any, and I can't even sell them and make money at what they're currently selling for. So, uh, the interesting thing is I did, uh, I did hold on to that ASIN and the first two ASINs that I had that I did really well with have come back and I am selling, I'm selling a lot of them again, yeah. but I'm not sending in as many as I did yeah. There's a few things we know when, you know, everyone talks about price tanking as if that's the sad ending of a sad story. No, Mm -hmm. price tanking means several things. One of them is that's a hot ASIN. Price wouldn't be tanking unless there's a lot of buyers buying because there's a lot of sellers selling. That means the stock is rising on that ASIN in the Amazon algorithm, which means it might make a good bundle ASIN if you're into branded bundles, because there's a lot of attention on that brand and that product. It means that everyone's going to beat each other up while you step back and let it happen. And you can come back to that clear battlefield six months later and just step in with the same price you were selling for before. You'll see these run in a three-year pattern. You'll see it just over and over. Dip back up to normal for a while. Dip back up to normal. So you just wait. You pull your inventory out. Keep Either keep your price where it is, but you don't want to pay long-term storage fees, but just store it. The number of times that we've just said, okay, we're backing away from this ASIN. We'll check it in six months and then gone back in. I would say almost without exception, they've come back. And in some cases, it's even better than it was at its peak prior because right. the product becomes discontinued. Now there's nobody that has any of it except oh, you. That's fun. Right. <laughs> right. Those are beautiful. So here you got this hot right. product and you're the only one that has it. So yeah, that's how you, you know, to me, price tanking represents future opportunity or current opportunity without exception. But right. it's all a matter of perspective. Some people see it as a big negative. No, recall you, you just have to be able to na- navigate the you know low price sales and not be counting on that. You know, it's not like I was counting on it, but it happened so quickly and it done so well. You know, I was making the best decision I could at the time, 
But yeah, I still ended up sending too many in. And the month of May, I did end up having, I think by May, I'd gotten to over 10,000 in sales. But wow. my margin, my margin was down to like 17% because I had so many of that, the particularly one of those items that I had really been aggressive on. You were taking a hit. That I was, I don't know that I took it. I mean, I was selling them for a break, even, you know, maybe losing a few cents on the dollar, you know, on them, but not very much. I just, my, you know, my overall net that month was very much smaller because I had so many of those that I was trying to. You were were turning $1 bills into $1 bills fast, (laughs) which is no way. Or maybe 99 cents in some cases, but yes. Yes, exactly. uh, But, But, you know, you look at a business that's breaking even on some of their stuff and making profit on other, that's not a bad business. It's the it's businesses get, get hurt when they go all in and they really take a hit, like, you know, 20 cents on the dollar, kind of just like, oh, wow, what were we thinking? So our whole model is kind of built around avoiding the big losses right. and kind of embracing those break-even moments as lessons sure. and benefiting from the, the spikes and the peaks. Right? Sure. So $10,000 a month, I mean, you know, that's, that's significant. Even at 17 points of net margin, man, that's not a bad month. It's, you know, no, it was, it bank. was not a bad month. I'm, I wasn't complaining about it. It just, it was, my margins were so much lower. I, you know, I, I was very fortunate that first month. And so that was kind of my standard of measure and everything for the next year. You know, well, everything since then has been lower than that. And it's like, am I doing something right? And I realized, you know, during that time, yeah, I'm doing it right. I just, yeah. Yeah, this is what happens sometimes. And yeah, like my friend said, it's not really, it's pretty atypical that, you know, like one of the ASINs that I had that I sold so well, it went from having 40, 41 sellers to like 125 in, in 43 days. Yeah. So it got on some buy list or something. Sure. Right. It got posted on a leads list somewhere and there I went. But I do sell them now for more than I was you know, seven, eight months ago. Yeah. Um, so, it has come back. The yeah, product has do. gone up about 50%. Uh, so I don't have as good of numbers on it, but I'm still making, you know, I don't know, between 30 and 40% and, you know, six to $7 every time they sell. Nice. And I think I sold 38 of them yeah. last month in the last 30 days. Yeah. So and I don't want to move too far past the point. I mean, you started in February. Now we're talking about May doing $10,000, putting, you know, 17 points net margin in the bank. That's, yes, sir. that's a beautiful business, man. That's not easy to do. In any business, it, to ramp you know, up that I quickly. I don't know. I mean, I you you, you listen to so many uh, folks that come on the podcast, and you know, I you know, it doesn't. I don't really feel like I'm successful. You know, I, I don't know that I say I'm I'm not successful. I don't really feel like I'm. I don't have a remarkable story to tell. But yeah, I mean, you know, when I stop and think about it, to go from you know nothing to you know where I am now, I have done really well, and I might have lost a few dollars here and there on things along the way, but as a general rule continuing to grow my net margin and you know make better you know buy costs or buy decisions and uh you know, grow my overall so yeah. it's certainly there's a, a learning curve i was so fortunate so quickly that mm-hmm. you know all of a sudden i woke up one day you know a couple of weeks later and went well what just happened here sure. uh, and i i really struggled with am i what is going on but it was fortunately you know a little more atypical uh for something to go down that quickly like it did for me it does happen but this is why you play again inch deep mile wide and you're always looking for new asins constantly because you know at any given time 
They're going to crash and burn, which is why we kind of graduate people from the replens model into, say, branded bundles where you got ASINs that belong only to you. But just in the past couple of weeks, I've talked to sellers in our community. One has an $18 million OA business, retail style. One has a $3 million OA business, just online arbitrage, just replens, just churning ASINs, just finding them and moving away from them as they get bad and moving in a little deeper into the ones that are good and, you know, playing that game. How deep do we want to go? We know this could last a week or it could last six months. I'm not going to buy a thousand units of anything ever. Sure. Under any circumstances, if other sellers can sell it, I'm not going that deep. It's not a risk taken, right? Sure. But do I buy 50 or do I buy 10? You know, you're making those kind of decisions constantly um, on a bunch of products. And if you can build a system around that, which we're getting better at all the time around here, it's a beautiful, sure. viable business. And, and these little growing pains that you're feeling and these little experiences, you know, these these wins and losses, that adds up to a lot of wisdom and a lot of really good instincts that are going to serve you well as you start adding commas and zeros to the back end of your numbers. Right. Uh, right. I mean, that's the whole plan. So, yeah. um, you know, one of the things that, you know, I really have had to remind myself of is that, you know, obstacles can either be seen as an obstacle or as an opportunity. And uh, you know, a good example of that is I have a I have this uh, tool set that I found at a you know, big box retail store, and I only found it because I was there returning something. I don't. There's not a whole. Uh, I live in a rural community, and there's not a whole. Uh, most of what I do is OA, and uh, uh, I just happened to be returning something at this store, and there was the circular sitting right there while I was waiting for you know my turn in line, and so I'm flipping through the circular, and I'm like, oh, that looks like a good price for something that I might could. You know, resell. I'm like, but that's too big. I'm not shipping that thing. And went a couple more pages and I said, oh, yeah, wait a second. If that's my first thought, how many other people have that same first thought? And so I went back and revisited. I did go find it on Amazon. And I think it had, when I looked at it last month, it had four drops. And I thought, okay, I'm like a mile and a half from this store. I'll just buy one, put it in my trailer, because uh, I have an enclosed trailer that I use as my warehouse. I'll just put it in my trailer. And if it doesn't ever sell, then I'll just take it back and doesn't really hurt me at all. And not really taking any inventory away from them. Well, I think in the last seven or eight, eight days, I think I've sold five of those things. So, and, <laughs> yeah. and they're costing me about $80 and I have over a hundred percent. You know, my, my net on the, my ROI on those is in between hundred and 125, depending on whether it's because I sent one in FBA just to see what would happen. And that one sold too. So uh, I've been surprised. 250 bucks or something. What are you selling for? Uh, yeah, 240. They, yeah. you know, I did raise my price a little bit because they've done so well. But yeah, about 235 to 240 is what I sold. That uh, is fantastic, man. Mm-hmm. I love it. So yeah, anyway, great example. My whole, my whole point is, I first looked at it and said, "That's too big. I don't want to fool with trying to too ship that." To and then I realized with. I ship all kinds of stuff. Why am I worried yeah. about trying to fool with that? And it has worked out really well. So I mean, I've made in between five and six hundred dollars on just those five or six that I've sold in the last eight or nine days. And so. those deals are everywhere. You know, people like to draw their lines in the sand. And one of the lessons I want to pull out of the example you just gave is you're looking at Keepa. It drops four times a month. A lot of people would say, well, I read somewhere that unless it's dropping 12 to 15 times a month, you may have a hard time selling it. Okay, well, if you bend the rules a little bit and you test it, Put one unit in your trailer, you know, merchant mm-hmm. fulfill it, 
Worst case scenario, you break even, flip it on eBay or Facebook Marketplace or take it back. We discourage people from taking back a bunch of stuff. You can kind of burn through relationships that way, right? But right. You know, time to time, you take back a big purchase, no big deal. Put it back on the shelf. They can sell it again. But the point is, the the risk in the scenario you just described is minimal and you uncovered a big opportunity because yeah. you're willing to take a slight risk. Uh, and those are sure. everywhere, millions of them everywhere i've i've been sharing in the facebook group lately over the past few weeks i've shared 50 examples of asins that i sell against where we are selling above the buy box consistently steady sales at least a good handful of month per month above buy box so if the typical buy box is 22 to 23 dollars we're selling it for say 30 dollars not as rapidly as the sellers who have the lower prices but consistently so my risks are lower. I just keep a few units on hand, sell a few a month. That's cool. Getting great net margins. I just described millions of ASINs that people could jump on to have sure. fit that description, right? Why not? So the opportunity is just wide open from my vantage point. It's never been more wide open than it is right now, just because there's more shoppers than there's ever been. And sure. people want stuff fast. And on that point, the course is part of the proven Amazon course. I just described that little mini course. It's in there. You might enjoy going through it, Rad. Uh, I did. I think today is the last day of the sale. Although by the time this airs, it'll be past the well, last day. But of the yeah, sale. by the time this airs, it did. We had right. a sale on it, but it, it's included in the proven Amazon course. So any students there can jump in and find. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, it's free in there. We put everything into the proven Amazon course eventually. But uh, yeah, but but the the point I wanted to make is, you know, that this is just me watching my my personal Amazon seller account, and I, I'll pop in a few times a day and like, okay, what's just sold? And I'll look down right. the list. Like, oh, let's take a look at that one. Where are we at? Yep, above buy box. I mean, that's just part of our strategy, but that's just one way. But that opens up millions of ASINs because you have to think of Amazon. This is the point I wanted to make. You have to think of Amazon not as one warehouse where all the right. customers price sensitively shop all day. It's right. 150 warehouses spread out across the country. And a lot of times people are saying, hey, no, I, I need that power tool for a project I'm doing tomorrow. Right. I, I don't want to wait four days for it to ship from LA. I'm on the East Coast. And Right. I need it tomorrow. And if I have to pay an extra 25 bucks, cool, no problem. That's where your price point is parked. And you're the only viable option they have to get that product on time. And so people are willing to pay more. Millions of shoppers use it all day, every day that way. So once you understand, like, I don't have to win the buy box. I don't have to play at the price level everyone else is on an ASIN. Just because a price is tanking even doesn't mean I got to tank with it. I can hang out right. right up here. Right. You just have to be careful how you manage how much inventory you have if yes. that's what you're doing. And that's that was the biggest takeaway for me. Mm-hmm. Because the thing that I was selling really well that first month, I haven't even come close. I haven't been within 12 or maybe $15 of the buy box. It's only a $45 item. I haven't even been within 12 or $15 of the buy box in, I don't know, several months. But I sold 38 of them last month. I don't really understand how that works. <laughs> no. But I just, just like you're saying, I just told you how it works. They don't want to wait. They, they, exactly. P- people have to remember there are... I don't know exactly how many Prime Now zones there are. Are you familiar with Prime Now? Yes, sir. We don't have that in our area because I'm pretty rural. Yeah, you're rural. I do understand. I'm on the south side of a fairly large city with about a million people. So we've got Prime Now here. But I can jump on Amazon anytime and say, okay, I'm shopping Prime Now means I want it in a couple hours. So show me the stuff I can get on my front porch within a couple hours. (laughs) I don't even see the stuff that would take two or three days to get here. Right. It doesn't exist. It's right. only the stuff that's in warehouses near me that I'm seeing. So you get these ASINs that drop a few times a month and everyone's kind of fighting over the 
the buy box price, thinking that's where you got to be to make the sales. But if we've got someone who's just parked one, either merchant fulfill from their own garage or they're sitting in an Amazon warehouse and it happens to be close enough to me that I can get it quickly. Millions of shoppers all day, every day use Amazon that way. They're right. not price sensitive shopping. They are time right. sensitive. So if you have right. a geographical advantage of having your inventory near them, boom, you're the one that gets the sale. And it never shows up on Keepa, never shows up on Amazon. There's no data right. point anywhere that anyone knows about except you and the customer. But it happens right. all day, every day. So I love the chances to explain this to people that because you can't find a tool or, or a chart or a graph or a report that shows you these sales happening, but they're happening all day, every day, millions of them. Uh, and it's, like you just said, you sold 38 of this thing. What? Yes, sir. 14 bucks above buy box on a hot moving, the closest supposedly ever come. Yeah. tanked ASIN, <laughs> right? Right, right. And yeah. uh, it happens. It just, you have to be patient with yeah. you know, what you're sending in. The velocity and, uh, slows down. To, sure. Mm-hmm. But as it continues to sell, well, you can continue to send some in and just don't know, don't, don't outpunt your coverage and send a whole bunch of them in and, because it could happen that yeah, that I, will stop selling. I like to kind of paint the visual this way. I, I would rather have, say, 100 ASINs that sell three to five times a month versus three to sure. five ASINs that sell 100 times a month. Because I sure. wake up every morning nervous with three to five selling 100 times a month. Like, okay, is it still alive? Oh, good. It didn't get chopped. But at a hundred, yeah, at a hundred, selling three to five. You hundred ASINs sell three hey, to five times. What sold last night? That's <laughs> a beautiful business, man. Sales happen constantly. In if if the price tanks on one of them, okay, I had to recall two units and sell them on eBay or wait a few months. Right? Um, it's a lot more ASINs to manage, but once you again, once you've got a good system, the pace of that business is so much better than the pace right. of selling a handful of ASINs. Multiple times a month. I'd rather be selling multiple ASINs a handful of times a month. Right. To summarize that. Right. It sounds like you're starting to learn some of those lessons too. And we really I certainly like new have. sellers. The new sellers need to, to stay focused on, on that kind of mindset to minimize, again, the risk. Be patient. Be patient. Be patient. Yeah. And uh, pay attention to you know, what is working and you know, learn from what doesn't and move on. So, right. so yeah. I don't Let's know where I left going, off. Man. But- we we kind of we dropped off in, uh, what was it? May, May yeah. I think, is where we left off. So, February, March, April, uh, May. Here we are, December yep. of 2023. Let's fill in the gap. I struggled during the summertime. I mean, everybody's, you know, I, I have to, I had to learn to set some boundaries uh, because I'm a very handy person. I do a lot of things. I, you know, make and build a lot of stuff. And uh, I have people all the time that would just, hey, can you help me with this? And previously in the summer, you know, all I had was our two boys. And I did some landscaping for my wife's office, but you know, nothing, no, no real job. Uh, so yeah, sure, I can help you with that. And all of a sudden, you know, it's nine o'clock Tuesday morning, and I realized, wait a second, I'm neglecting what I need to be doing right now just to go help somebody else, which is fine, and I like doing that stuff. But I had to, you know, I had to learn. Yeah, I can help you. I'm available anytime after you know zero six Saturday morning till the Sunday, well after the sun goes down, however long you want to work. But that's when I can help you. I, I can't do it right now. And I, okay. I didn't do a very good job I, of that. I think I hear what you're saying. And I noticed this. I remember when I first went full-time into my own business working from home, a lot of people assumed like I'm available now anytime for anything, anywhere. Right. I'm your guy. I just sit here and wait for my phone to ring for favors for friends, right? Right. <laughs> I, but I mean, I, because in their defense, I was home in the summertime and I was available to do all those things. I yeah. just had to you know, finally realize, wait a second, I need to 
do a better job of setting some clear boundaries here. Your teacher schedule kind of had you free in the summers, right? It did. Yeah. yeah. And I was no longer available like that anymore. And uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm easily distracted. I'd come back to what I was doing and get distracted again. And I, I, you know, we got two boys, I got the two neighbors kids and they're all great kids. I mean, they play together really well. I mean, the, our, our oldest is 12. So they're in between six and 12. I will, he'll be 12 in a couple of days, but, uh, there were a lot of kids running around the house, a lot of interruptions, and I just didn't do a very good job of, you know, really setting aside and dedicating. Here's what I need to do, and here's when I need to be doing it. And outside of those times, I can, you know, I'm available to take the kids to the water park. I'm available to, you know, go help you move your refrigerator, whatever. But I, you know, spent those summer months, and I realized towards the end of it, man, I got to do a better job of setting some, you know, clear boundaries here so that I have the opportunity to be more successful because you know my my margins and everything stayed about the same. I mean sales stayed about the same. They increased a little bit. I think I got a little over 12,000 what one of those months, but you know by August I hadn't grown very much at all. And uh August and September my overall sales actually dropped, but my net margins increased and so even though my overall sales were almost half of what they were in August the September and October sales were almost half of what August was. My net margin was about, you know, I made about the same and I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was within a, you know, a couple hundred dollars of what I took home. And so I did a better job of, you know, kind of, you know, whittling down on what I was being successful at selling and the numbers, you know, the coming away with better buy calls so that I had better numbers at the end of the day, even though overall I was selling less. I still was, you know, my net was still about the same. And I don't remember, I think I was up to like 22 or so during that time. But, uh, you know, November rolls around and it started off slow. But again, you know, at the end of November, I was back to, you know, riding the gravy train on biscuit wheels. And I think November, I totaled out at 22,830. I was hoping to do about 15 in November. And, I quickly went past that and realized, okay, I didn't set a high enough goal. Um, <laughs> so I was planning on doing 15 in November and 20 in December, and all of that would have put me over about a hundred thousand uh, for the, the the year or for the ten months that I was, you know, selling nine months that I was selling. But I have exceeded that, and I'm on track to probably go over 25 in December, as long as. I mean, I really had no idea how much stuff to send in. So I sent in more stuff than you know I would have normally. And a lot of that stuff is sold. So I think my sales are going to slow down here in you know, another a week or two just because I underestimated how much I should send in. Sold it but all. And I can tell you this, January January is a big month too for replen sellers because we're not necessarily just selling. I'm assuming you're not just selling like hot holiday items, you know, seasonal No, stuff. sir. I don't, I don't have any, I, I mean, I have some Christmas lights. That's the only holiday item that yeah. I have. I really try and stay away from, you know, I'd rather just do the same stuff, you know, whatever's working. So that's another thing is I've tried to be very intentional about, I have done a whole lot more FBM since, I don't know, must've been since Thanksgiving, that week of Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. I started, you know, creating a whole bunch of FBM listings. I had some, but prior to that, but I realized, Hey, I got this stuff sitting here. I mean, I might as well try and sell and see what happens. And I have done quite a bit of FBM stuff the last couple weeks. We'll get back to the show in just a second, but I've got to tell you about a new sponsor to this program, Ecom Balance. They help e-commerce sellers and Amazon sellers with their bookkeeping. 
Your accountant is not your bookkeeper, by the way. You've got to be keeping great books. That's how you know if you're profitable or not. If you're struggling to know your numbers, you don't want to be operating on gut instinct. Our friends at Ecom Balance are there to help you out. You can go to Ecom Balance and mention that you heard about them from this program, and they'll give you two free months of bookkeeping so you can try them out. A link that takes you straight to the offer is, write this down, it will also be in the show notes, by the way, jimc.biz slash keeper. Again, jimc.biz slash keeper, as in bookkeeper. Go check them out. Check out their two months free offer. Tell them we sent you. Let's get back to the show. Must have been since Thanksgiving, that week of Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. I started you know, creating a whole bunch of FBM listings. I had some but prior to that. But I realized, hey, I got this stuff sitting here. I mean, I might as well try and sell and see what happens. And yeah. I have done quite a bit of FBM stuff the last mm-hmm. couple of weeks. I'm curious. So, where's Where are you shipping that FBM product typically? Is it East Coast typically since you are on the East Coast? I think it's been pretty spread out. There is a is lot it? of it that has gone to, I will say, I probably, I would say probably two thirds of it has been on the East Coast. Okay. And a lot of it, you know, like there have been, play, there've been addresses that popped up and I'm thinking, man, I could drive this to your house faster than it's going to take for me to, you know, put it in the mail and UPS to get it to you. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they wanted it you know, in a couple of days. So I shipped yep. it to them. Um, yep. and, so, yes, know, a lot of it has been regionally, you know, here in the Southeast. Because there is an advantage there and it just, it makes sense. Amazon doesn't have a major warehouse near you. You can actually get stuff out the door faster than Amazon can get it to a lot of folks. Merchant Fulfill becomes an attractive option for folks. Sure. You ship it out of your garage. And you know, you're when you're merchant fulfilling, the way to think of it is you are now a mini warehouse for Amazon with the inventory that you have. And they're going to present right. that to, to customers who are buying. And that's a viable option. Like, hey, you want it really fast? Here's your best option, especially around Q4 when it just takes them more time to process and ship and get stuff out the door. They're trying to, I've noticed Amazon is very conservative about predicting what can arrive in time for Christmas, especially. That Uh, does change. Yeah. They want to pad their numbers a little bit, but they'll hold your feet to the fire. Like, Hey, you say you can ship it tomorrow. All right. You better ship it tomorrow because Mm -hmm. they're beginning of December. They need it by Christmas. Um, So yeah, Merchant Fulfill catches fire every year towards the end of November into the first two, three weeks of December catches fire but i'm telling you january will be a nice month for you as well uh, because people use their gift cards and and they jump over and maybe they swap out and do some returns and you know because the returns will pick up a little in january which is one of the reasons why amazon holds a slightly bigger reserve on most sellers in december because they know there's going to be a five percent or so bump in returns come january oh, sales will i was looking too. at that this morning i have a i have a negative account reserve and i thought that's kind of odd i don't want to i don't want to have a negative but i don't have any control over that they're the ones that figure out those numbers yeah. it just i guess because i sold so much yeah. and they are holding more they, um you know i have you'll get that money eventually account. just a little slower after some right. of the returns take place and they do it to all sellers the ones who get hit the hardest the ones who are really focusing in on like the hot Christmas seasonal type of stuff. Those of us selling the boring stuff that's probably not on anyone's Christmas wish list, you know, the, our returns are minimal and all that money will get it eventually. Another great reason to do replans and not get all, all into the hype of Christmas. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't. I did Christmas lights this year just because I thought, why not? I'll try it. But I really, I did a couple Halloween costumes, and yeah, I, I made a few dollars off of. Well, actually, by the time everything's said and done, somebody returned one of them. You know, it was too small two days after Halloween, and it was exactly. like, okay, you, you used it and sent it back. And I, exactly. you know, I kind of realized then I don't think I want to do holiday stuff. The, the Christmas lights were they were they were in that same circular that I saw the tool set in. So I thought, well, I'll try these. Uh, but I don't, I don't like having, uh, you know, I mean, there's a limited shelf life on that stuff for yeah. the, you know, when you can really sell it. And I'd rather just have stuff that I can continue to sell throughout the year yeah. rather than things that sell really quickly, Great. you know, for a short amount build of time. Build a system around it. You can build a team eventually, sure. build a system and it's easily repeatable. It's not constant shifting, moving target. Now you've, you've built a beautiful business and I love interviewing students who are, you know, we have plenty of episodes with people who are just killing it, huge numbers, going crazy. But I think it's harder to relate if you're new, especially to someone who's at that level. It's easier to relate to someone like you, you know, a Marine, former school counselor, stepped into entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship for the first time less than a year ago. And now you got a business in $25,000 a month and decent net margins, replacing the pay you used to make with a flexible schedule, you're home with your kids. Like those kinds of stories really appeal to a lot of people. And you've heard me say it before, man, just dad to dad. I know that's just such a, I mean, I would take a big pay cut to be home with my kids, but now I got a, I got the prospect of making a lot more money than I could anywhere else. And I'm home with my kids flexible. Like, yeah, I'm interested. I know what it feels like. This is a no brainer. Yeah, man. I just know what it feels like to be a dad. I don't know what it feels like to be a mom that gets to stay home. I know what it feels like to be a dad that gets to do that. So I want that for as many other men and dads as possible. Our content works for anybody, of course, but just dad to dad, congratulations, man, because that's time you can't get back. I know being 12 was a big deal for me when I was a kid. Having your dad right there through some of the best years of your life, man. That's just. Well, that's I, I hope they like having their dad uh, right there. Some oh, they of the will. Trust me. I'm sure they will, buddy. I tell you that the way it, the ways it pays off in the relationships that you'll have. I mean, you know, one of my sons asked me to be the best man at his wedding. <laughs> like, yeah, we're tight. I'm not, the, you know, because yeah. I was able to be here. I was able to enjoy those moments and and sure. be with my kids and see them grow up. You know, my kids are my youngest is you know 17. Uh, you know, so my right. kids are getting married and getting having kids. I've got my first grandkid on the way, but the experiment is over for our family, and it was a success. Right, you all definitely done well there. You know, and I was in my office a lot. I worked a lot. Like you're out there, I can see your office. I want you to kind of talk us through it. Most people who will see this content or who will get this content, they're going to be listening. But I love the background you have, so I want to talk through that. But you know, like sure. you, I'm I'm working. Like you know, but if my door's open. I can be interrupted. You can come on in. I'm here. I'm on site. If mom needs backup because brother A hit brother B in the head with whatever, <laughs> you know, I'm here. But uh, just the the dynamic of kind of blending it all, integrating it all together, such a healthy way for family to do sure. life these days. So congratulations on, on navigating that, man. Thank you. Yeah, uh, I certainly, some days are more, you know, enjoyable than others, but I do have to stop and remind myself that, you know, I get, I get to do this. And, uh, I mean, yesterday our youngest was sick and he was sick. Uh, you know, it's like the first grade bug going around and, uh, he, he got every bit of that thing, but I was, it, you know, I was here all day and instead of being out in the, you know, in my you know trailer working, he was, he wanted me to sit next to him on the couch and he just wanted some company and some, you know, something to help him feel better. but. Yeah, I watched you know YouTube videos with him, and you know we just you know, hung out on the couch. So yeah. I don't know. It was nice to be able to do that, yeah. but uh, it is really nice to have the opportunity to do that without 
really taking away too much. It did prevent me from getting stuff done, pickups and stuff that I was going to do, but that was okay. That's what needed to be done. I had the opportunity to. Yeah. Enjoy the pace and the flexibility and, you know, mind your trajectory any given day. We, I think, you know, I haven't said this in a while and maybe you've heard me say it in past episodes, but it's just part of human nature. It takes a great deal of discipline and self-awareness to not slip into the default condition, which almost all of us are here in the default condition where we ridiculously overestimate what we can accomplish in a day. <laughs> yes, and we ridiculously underestimate the power of simple habits and the trajectory and what happens as a result of those things over the course of a year, even though we take a day off, an hour off, a little time off here and there. The trajectory of your story, if we just map it out, put it on a graph, like, okay, mm-hmm. You're going to be here. You're going to be having 50, 60, $70,000 months a year and a half from now. You're going to have a team, two or three people. Your job is going to be 30% of what it is now. Like that's just the trajectory. You're going to have a few private uh, branded bundles. You know, you're going to maybe have a wholesaler or two. You're going to pick up a new strategy from the conference or whatever. Like I've seen this play out over time. And the, the thing you have to mind is your, your habits, your numbers, your relationships. If you can focus on those things, like you're disciplined with your habits. I mean, you're right. a Marine, no problem there. Check that box, right? You're capable of that stuff. So now you mind minding your numbers, knowing your numbers well. Sounds like you're dialing that in pretty well. And then relationships. Don't do this alone. Talk to other people. So, you, you've got your, you know, you've got your friends doing the business and attend to conferences. Always be, you know, sp- put time in each day to absorb new ideas. Your trajectory sure. then becomes it's not relying on what I do today. It's man, my trajectory is pretty sharp. If I look back over my shoulder for two or three months, I can project out two, three, six months. This is a nice trajectory. Yeah. Right. No, you're exactly right. And, Sounds uh, like you had a question. Yeah, one of, well, no, one of the things I was going to say is uh, I actually, I do I do, do this. You know, technically, I do this with my sister. My older sister lives in Tampa. And so we do work on it together. But you know, given the season of life that she's in, there's not a whole lot of extra margin. And so... She hasn't had as much to be able to, you know, I asked her if she was going to be on the podcast and she said, no, this is your thing right now. Uh, you, you know, you're the one with all the answers. I would just be sitting there. And, uh, but it is you know something that we are, we do work on together. And she has here recently realized, you know, the more engaged she is with what we're doing, the better of an opportunity we have for things to continue to grow exponentially. And uh, branded bundles is the next thing that we're you know, we're working on, I say we, she's actually the one working on our branded bundles because, well, that's something she has an interest in doing. And that's where, that's the direction I wanted to go. I wanted us to go anyway. So she's kind of taken that bull by the horns and hopefully after the first of the year, we'll have things to a point where we're really going to get started. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't want to see see people get, you know, distracted and jump away from replens. You got to keep doing, you got to bolt it down, keep maintaining the systems that have got you where you are. You never just abandon. And I think that's one of the takeaways from that early success and then that early failure is being consistent and taking the things that are are working and are working well, continuing to do those things and grow other opportunities from there rather than just relying on them and doing something else is, I mean, you just just have to make sure you're consistent in how you're using the opportunities and resources that you have developed. So, yeah, that's a very good point. Yeah. Well, you, you're on a great trajectory. You're doing a tremendous job. I've seen a whole lot of people come through. I mean, we've been doing e-commerce coaching for over 20 years, nearly 10,000 students coached at this point, a whole bunch more than that, taking our courses and content and building businesses. 
I can spot the trajectory of a leader who's going to do amazing, you know, better. I have, I've just gotten really good at predicting it. You've got all the elements, man. You're, you're, you're comfortable in your own skin. You're confident to try new things. You're humble enough to, to learn. You don't feel like you got mm-hmm. all the answers. Like, you know, Hey, you're, you're a plain spoken guy, man. Like, here's where I'm at. Here's what's going on. Uh, you're not coming out with a lot of fluff or a lot of unrealistic expectations. You're not bouncing around trying 50 different things and, you know, falling into all these different, you know, guru traps. These guys with sure. the Lamborghinis and piles of cash and all these videos and such. Like, no, you told me before we started recording, you don't spend a lot of time on social media. It's kind of like, no. you're just, you're focused in, you found a system that works, you're building, you're scaling, you're learning, you're, you're not doing it alone. You got some people you're bouncing things off of. You got all the elements. It's keep doing what you're doing, man. The numbers just get better. It, it, well, and that's that's certainly the opportunity, the opportunity, or I like you know where the opportunity is headed uh, because you know that's one of the things I you know again I stop and think I don't really feel like I'm very successful, but when I really stop and look at it, it's like man you're really doing quite well compared to where you were just a short time ago. So, but continuing to be patient. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and something I'd encourage you to do along those lines, I think you see the value of kind of my, monitoring those things. And this is good advice for any of our students. We do this for all of our coaching students. We encourage them, start a business journal, things you're struggling with today, the wins that you're having oh. today, the, the things right. you're willing to maybe move into, the system challenges you're having, where you'd like to be in a few, just make a few notes randomly and just in a disciplined way, you know, ideally once a day. And it, 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 at the beginning of the day, it's, it's gratitude and just kind of thoughts about the business at the end of the day. It's here's what I did today. Here's what I got done. Here's what I'd like to do tomorrow kind of stuff. So you can start off looking at like, okay, yesterday we stopped here. Let's get into it. But before I do, I'm going to gratitude, celebrate the wins. Right. Right. And you know, right. for me, you know, for it's a time of prayer for me, get into the scriptures a little bit. Ideally, that's how my day starts a little exercise. That's how I do my day. But you know, the end of the day is a recap. And then a battle right. plan for tomorrow. So you can let your mind rest. I've got my battle plan down. When I get up, don't have to worry about, did I forget something? No, it's all in the battle plan. Flip right. back to the previous day, get your day started with credit. Just that's the cycle, man. And I think that would really help you out to kind of map because the trajectory, just in you, I think it was almost like a, almost like a, uh, I don't know, a session of a counseling session or something today. Like, you know what? Now that you say it, you're right, man. I am doing better than I realized kind of stuff. Like you're having those realizations. You should be, that should already be documented, man. <laughs> you should have that written right. down somewhere. Cause you go back and look at the stuff you were struggling with in February, which is not that long ago, but you've climbed so many little mountains and turned them into molehills at this point. And it, that's the journey. It'll keep feeling right. Like. Well, and I, I think probably one of the things that uh, new new sellers could benefit, or anybody in general, just in life. But yeah, you know, I never really had a, like, what was your goal for this year? Uh, you know, interestingly enough, when I when I first spoke to you about doing this interview, you asked me, well, "What is your goal for you know November?" And I was like, "Uh, well, I don't know. I guess my goal's been to get fifteen thousand in a month, so I guess that's my goal for November." I you know, I, I realized I I didn't actually I I never sat down and had one and. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, I wanted to break 15K in one month, but that was it. I didn't have anything beyond that. I was like, once I got to that, what was I going to do? Uh, so, you know, and then you said, what about December? What about the year? And I was like, I don't know. I hadn't really thought that far ahead, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so, And it's yeah, good it was to a- jot those things down. You know, I, I'm not a big goal guy. I was actually just talking with my son last night about this. Like, uh, neither... And I think, you know, as I like, even when I read the Bible, I don't hear about goals a lot. Now, I don't think I don't have a problem with it. 
And it's a good way to kind of check, you know, where someone's mindset, like, Hey, what's your goals for next year, man? I'm not anti-goal by any means, but I don't write down necessarily goals. I'm willing to share them. Someone asks, I'm much more about processes, systems, disciplines, trajectory. I'd rather spend an hour talking to somebody about their trajectory than spend an hour talking about their goals. Because someone could sit down one day and go, you know what? My goal is to have 10 million in the bank next year. (laughs) All right. Good for you, buddy. Like, got any plans? No, just a goal. All right. That okay, that was time well spent, I guess, huh? As opposed to, all right, here's the discipline. Here's the things I'm gonna eliminate from my life. Here's the things I'm gonna add to my life. Here's the here's the disciplines I'm gonna have. I'm gonna do this every day. I'm gonna find at least three to five new ASINs every day. Some days I'll find less, sometimes I'll find more. I'm going to do X. I'm going to do Y. I'm going to do these things. This is my discipline. Five days a week, I'm going to put in at least two to three hours a, a day, et cetera. And I'm going to map out what does that trajectory look like? What's my worst case, best case scenario six months from now? How am I doing? I'm going to check in on that once a month. Like that, there's not a lot of goals in there. It's disciplines. It's daily disciplines. Right. You know, sticking Well, to and I think, I guess that's you know, more of what I'm trying to say is, you know, it, it uh, it gives us the opportunity to be more intentional about how or what we're doing, not necessarily like, am I meeting my goal? Um, that just allows you to be more intentional about yeah. you know, the processes and things that you're creating and going through. Pick, so pick that's a direction. more of what I mean. Pick a direction right. and then set about, okay, that's where I want to be. All right, what are the things I got to do? Then spend a whole lot of time thinking about what are the things I got to do? It's easy to sit down. Right. And, um, you know, that's, my mentor said, you know, the, the only thing God ever created that can wake up one day and go, you know what? I don't like where I'm at. I think I want to be somewhere different in say six months. I'm going to come up with a plan on how to do that. Like God didn't create anything else in all creation that can do that except us. What a gift, right? Mm -hmm. Don't like where you're at? Change it. Change who you are, change your mind, change your disciplines, change your habits, change your trajectory and stick to the plan, right? It sounds easy to say. It takes a lot of work, but that's the stuff I'm talking about. But it does start with picking a goal, picking a target, picking a direction. Like I want to go over there. Okay, what am I going to have to eliminate and add to my life to get there? But So I, I will say thank you. S- since you uh, brought up Rabbi uh, Daniel Lappin, uh, I, you know the one complaint I think if I if I could lodge a complaint, there you go. I, I, I have got his book I right here. Book. <laughs> I have that book, and then uh, what is the most recent one that he authored that you interviewed him about on the oh, podcast? Yeah, it's, uh, uh, I've got it here handy. The holistic you. Yes, the holistic you. I did. I got that one as well. But my my problem is, uh, you know, I, I I literally this is a true story. I read on about a seventh grade level, like not comprehension wise. It's just my speed is very very slow. And uh, so, it, you know, my my one complaint about the podcast is if you could get if uh, if you could get you if I could get you and, and your guests to stop recommending such really valuable books uh, for me to read because my my stack grows faster than I can get through it. Welcome uh, to the, but if oh man, everybody's does man. Oh, that's uh, funny. But I, I've I've really gotten a lot, you know, just yeah, in regards to you know life and you know, personally and professionally through you know the the podcasts that I've listened to and the, the books and stuff that have been presented. So yeah, I mean, it it really is an incredible book, and I can easily spend a lot of time on it. I've I've actually, uh, well, I don't want to divert myself too far. That's a whole other topic I was about to go into. But yeah, <laughs> when people say, Sorry. you know, what are the books I should be reading? Bible, hands down. Nothing comes close, regardless mm-hmm. of worldview, by the way, because the practical lessons that come from just reading Proverbs, if you've never read the book of sure. Proverbs, yes, sir. You know, in Christianity, we understand that to be the wisest man who ever lived. Okay, here's his thoughts, broken down into simple little bite-sized nuggets. Wealth mm-hmm. hastily gained is soon departed. What's that mean? Like, probably don't want to win the lottery, because that's not going to lead to right. good stuff. 
and you look around right. and like read the stories, read stories about people who won the lottery two, three, five years ago. It's a train wreck almost right. every single time. It's a train yeah. wreck. Okay, maybe there's something to that one. Okay. You know, so right. just these real practical nuggets. But if you can break that, break those lessons down as the Hebrews have been doing for thousands of years into very practical how to live, you know, all the important areas, faith, family, friendship, finance, fitnesses. The the rules are already in place. They've been there for thousands of years, man. There's nothing new to learn in those areas that we don't already sure. know <laughs> from yeah. the from God's word. Right. So that's the practical side of it. But when I say, okay, so you need to understand the Bible, the second book I always recommend is the one you just referenced, Business Secrets from the Bible with Rabbi Daniel Eppin. It's not simple Sunday school lessons about honesty is better than lying and cheating. Like, okay, yeah, that's obviously implied, but it's very practical. Like, okay, you want to be a better business leader? You're going to have to use your voice and your face more. And here's what that means. Exactly. You want to make more money? You're going to need to spend more time writing down ideas and, and speaking. Right? How do I improve my ability to do those two things? It's like, who would have associated those with making more money, right? So it's right. just super practical stuff that I've just, I've applied to my life and business for it. And I, I swear by it. And on that topic, since you brought up a nice segue, are you coming to the conference in Orlando? Do you have plans? Uh, yes, sir. We are planning to. I mean, I haven't, uh, we haven't done anything with our tickets and stuff, but my sister yeah. lives in Tampa. So right there. I, well, I hey, man, let, me, let me just we make an official. You, you've got my uh, contact info. Hit me up. Tickets are on me, general admission tickets for you, the crew, the family, okay. whoever bring the kids. We're going to be right by SeaWorld. So you guys can ha- spend some time there maybe with your sister. So her tickets, your family, okay. all Thank on you. me. I appreciate it. Oh, for sure, man. Just contact me because I want you there because Rabbi Lappin is our our keynote speaker I know. as well. So. Yeah, that was one of the, uh, I mean, I wanted to go this past year. It just wasn't a real good time. Yeah, that was another thing. This summer when things really took a little bit of a downturn and I had trouble finding things and staying focused, I also discovered a, a small water leak in our house and there was a little bit of mold growing underneath the drywall when I cut it back. Oh, man, and it's really surprising did. to me now that my body's been exposed to it, how little it takes, you know, how little, you know, repeated exposure it takes for it to be, very problematic for me, but it just, it doesn't take much, just a few, you know, maybe 10 or 12 you know, you know, inches in diameter and a little bit of growth. And you know, if I don't find it and get rid of it, you know, I'd have to be somewhere else because that's very uncomfortable. Yeah. So at any rate, you know, it's hard for me to concentrate on stuff. And that happened over the summer. It just wasn't a good time for me to you know, try and be gone. Yeah. Uh, the 2023 event just didn't play out, but it's looking like um, 2024 May. You, you, yes, you should, sir. Hopefully, things should line up that uh, you guys are. No, the, I think we're already on the calendar to do so. Nice. Um, so outstanding, mm-hmm. man. Oh, I'm I'm super excited to have you guys there. And I think with the timing of this podcast episode coming out, you help people coming up like, "Hey, man, I heard your episode. Thanks for your <laughs> service." That kind of thing. It's, it really is. It's like a big family reunion. A lot of really good yeah. people. A lot of really right. good families. A lot of homeschool families. A lot of Christian families. A lot of people who just respect and understand the value of how hard it is to be an entrepreneur and you need sure. community to do it well. You just do. So that's going to be great. Adding you guys to the to the family down there. Sure. Looking forward to that. No, that'd be great. I appreciate it. Hey, was there anything else you wanted to hit before we wrapped up today, Rad? Did you have anything written down? Any questions for me? Have we, this is a great episode, the listeners, and hopefully I, I provided some value to you as well. But you have, thank you. Yeah, I think that there are some things that uh, I think folks out in podcast podcast land might want to know. And the first one is if anyone on the Jim Cochran staff that talks to you at all about being on the podcast, you better be prepared to be on the podcast 
because I think when I forget who talked to me, but I mean, it wasn't probably 10 minutes later. I got a text message from you. Hey, this is Jim. Can we talk? And I was like, uh, I guess so. Um, and then it was like, all right, we'll see if you can sign up in the next couple of weeks. What? I didn't know. I thought that what? Uh, so if they talk to you at all about it, you should be prepared to uh, be on the podcast because it's probably going to happen quickly. Um, the That's second funny. one is, if if you want to if you want to feel like you're as prepared as you could be, uh, probably don't schedule it in early December um, because you know Q4 is not a real good time for you to step aside and really focus your thoughts and think. Okay, what do I want to say or how do I want to you know what questions do I want to ask? Well, I appreciate you I, doing that for us, man. Yeah, you're welcome. I just you know I realized and I really don't have as much time to to preparing myself for this as I would like to, just because you know I want to be able to use folks' time wisely and have you know, questions that's going to be valuable to them because so many people have had questions that were valuable to me. And I, I think people need to understand just how much it really costs. I mean, I have been very surprised at just how much it has cost of stuff that I, you know, my buy cost to send in. You know, you, you can start off with very little, but if you're going to, you know, you know, if you're going to have a large sales month, you have to have a lot of stuff that you have purchased and sent in. And uh, it doesn't, make me uncomfortable to have spent as much as I have here recently. I mean, I had like a 10 day stretch where I sent in uh, my buy cost was about $11,000. And I thought, why am I not at all uncomfortable with this? Well, I'm not uncomfortable with it because I've done my homework on it. And it, even at the worst case scenario, I won't even lose money on what I've sent in. I might get down to where I'm just completely breaking even, but it has taken a lot of investment to you know, be able to have as successful of a month as I have. And uh, I was really surprised at that, at just how much it really does take to turn you know, much larger numbers. Yeah. It, so. it, and a lot of times people get kind of, uh, you know, they, they, once they understand their numbers, like I've talked to successful sellers, like I'm going out today and I'm buying a thousand dollars. I'm sitting on my computer or whatever. I'm buying a thousand dollars worth of stuff because I know that's a thousand dollars in the bank, whatever right. I'm spending. I'm right. Like, you know, because of my parameters, that's what I put in the bank. So they're going to buy right. a thousand, sell it for three after expenses. They're putting a thousand in the bank, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you just kind of get into that churn. So, you know, hey, spending 11 means I'm going to put, you know, nine to 10 in the bank or so as right. a scenario at, at profit after I've paid for the 11, because that's all my expenses plus the shipping and all the materials. I'm putting net profit in bank X dollars. So you become you become very comfortable, and something else people get nervous about sometimes too is like, man, I'm looking at my bank account balance. I'm like, Gosh, <laughs> it's, it's about where it was six months ago. Okay, well, don't forget to add in all that inventory that hasn't sold yet, right? <laughs> because right. that's a lot of value sitting there. The next right. cash you could pull back anytime that you're letting it sit and you're letting it churn, and that bank account balance will grow over time as that churn right. happens. But initially, with all expenses, hey, I had to buy a printer. Hey, I had to buy a you know laptop and all those things, you know, this first few months are more about spending money than, than putting it in the bank, but that account sure. will start growing. And when it does, then it's just, uh, it just, you just see the wheel turning. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. It is nice to see. Uh, so there's that. Oh, here's another one. Um, pay attention to your box sizes when you're sending stuff into FBA. I just randomly stumbled into, you know, it seems like every shipment I send in, it's always towards the end of the day. I'm trying to make it to UPS by five 30. Unfortunately, they're not very far from my house, but I, you know, tried to do too much, you know, too quickly sometimes. And so I was at the last minute hurrying up there. And a couple of weeks ago, I had the opportunity like, well, let's see, I, I, you know, I got plenty of time before I got to get this shipment to UPS. Let's go, you know, buy a bigger box and see what my shipping cost would be. 
And it turned out even buying the box, I still saved like $2.50 on that shipment rather than using the two smaller you know, free boxes that I had uh, already in the little warehouse out here. So uh, pay attention to your box sizes because even if you're buying boxes, if it's a bigger box to send in the FBA that you're using the whole box, you're probably going to save money over sending two smaller ones that were free because you you know, had something shipped to you or you already had them at your house. Yeah, they, good point. And, you know, there is a uh, training inside the Proven Amazon course that talks about setting up your prep center, what it looks like, what supplies to have, you know, choosing boxes, that kind of thing, you know, minimizing your expenses and maximizing your efficiency. It's a uh, Pablo put that one together for us, I believe. Uh, but um, I'll put a link. I don't to know if I've seen that one. Yeah. But yeah, put it in the show notes. I don't know if I've seen that one. So you can go check it uh, out. Yeah, there, there's there's a lot of good stuff in there, man. As you have time to 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 dig through it, yeah, I'll I'll, I'll be sure to stick it in there for the listeners. Good. Okay. Tip. And uh, uh, probably the you know, two biggest takeaways were just being patient and consistent. The but I mean, people need to understand before they start all this. You know, they need to know what they're comfortable with, what their zero is. I mean, I, I, you know, there were times in my life where I had to choose between putting gas in my car so I could go to my internship or eating lunch that day. And uh, I had to have the internship so that I could you know, finish my degree. So that was a no brainer. I was hungry, but that was a no brainer. Now, fortunately, instances like that have been few and far between. But you know, know what your zero is and then make decisions based off of that, because everybody's zero is going to be a little bit different. Now, at this point in time in my life, my zero is not actually zero because I have a wife and two kids, and it's just not good to have nothing anymore or go all the way to nothing. But I'm much more comfortable with you know, being closer to zero than you know, some people would be. And that's okay. You just have to know what your zero is and then make you know, your decisions based off of that so that you, know, you don't overstretch yourself and really wish you hadn't have done something when if you knew ahead of time, hey, here's what I'm comfortable going to. And once I get to that point, I need to slow down or back off so that I don't stress myself out anymore you know, unnecessarily. So um, I think that was pretty much it. The, uh, the only, uh, yeah, just don't uh, have your guests recommend any more really good books or you recommend any more really good books because <laughs> so I'm many. struggling to get through them as it is. Yeah, but, uh, books and there's even some old, old good ones that I'm dying to get back into and revisit that I, I want to read as an adult that I kind of flew through as a you know teen or young twenties. Right now that I have a different perspective on the world, you know, but yeah, I I have got a different. I don't think it stops. I don't know, to just yeah, that book of that probably not good books to read. It just keeps growing, man. Good luck ever catching that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I started. I have started to just create a you know a, a folder on Amazon where I just a list, I guess, that I save them to rather than buying them. My you know shelf gets bigger, and you know I need a new bookshelf because I didn't read all the ones that are over there, but I got some more that I wanted to read. Yeah. So I save them electronically now, and then when ever I get to a point where I can, you know, yeah. uh, have another I've book got to read, Audible. I and there's some work I can do while I listen to good books and be able to pay attention, but. Uh, that during my run is when I'm typically consuming content in the mornings. I'll get in good exercise routine and it's a good time to feed your mind and work your body. I, I found that as a good sure. combo for me. Sure. But, um, well, Hey man, I got another call bumping up against this. I need to wrap this okay. one up, but it, it, sure. it was great hanging out with you. And I'm so excited to meet the rest of your crew in Orlando. Thank you. I've enjoyed it too. So okay. I appreciate it. Yeah. It's going to be a good time, man. So yeah, let's, we're let's looking wrap. forward to it. 
let's wrap this one up, but just a huge, again, thank you for your service and good job, dad. And You're thanks welcome. for all the great you. tips and strategies. I feel encouraged today. I hope you do too, man. Oh, wait, there is one tip that I almost left off. Well, hey, let's Uh-oh. hit it, dude. Oh, uh, shoot. I just closed out the thing. There is. Right. Oh, if you want to identify the high pricing error, I figured out just the other day that if you want to identify the high pricing error and know what that ceiling is, open yeah. up a create, create an FBM listing for that ASIN and then just start putting numbers in. And if you get too high, it'll tell you right there on the screen. It won't let you, you know, it won't let you continue. It gives you a little error message that your Amazon has identified this as a price that's too high. So you don't have to try and guess, hey, it's, you know, this this price is too high. My repricer brings it up or down. Just That's a good tip. Create an FBM listing and then take like, just take whatever the highest price is that's currently yeah. on Amazon and work up from there. And yeah. And see where they is, draw where they've drawn that mm-hmm. line, which is typically arbitrary. And I think it's completely ridiculous. They think they should just let the free market go. But you know, that whole suppressed buy box and we think your price is too high. You're gonna have to drop your price to sell that ASIN. Like, all right, well, I'm not gonna sell right. that ASIN in because I can't make a profit at that price. During COVID is when it got truly insane. I was losing uh-huh. my mind, going nuts. <laughs> like, you know, you're asking us to help fill your shelves at a loss on so right. many of the most popular hot products. This is insanity. What are you doing right. with these price measures you're putting in place? Uh, let the free market figure out what people do and don't want and what they're willing to pay, man. Leave the right. resellers alone. We got a hard job here. Uh, but yeah, so you do see those. That is a point of frustration. That's a great tip. Set up a merchant fulfilled listing and see how high mm-hmm. it lets you go before you go out and buy the product and then send mm-hmm. it in FBA and get a, some kind of price alert at some point. Yeah, I love it. That's right. a great tip, man. So I remembered that before we got off of the podcast. So that's yeah, all I got. Very practical, very practical <laughs> way to end the show. And and uh, I, I think uh, the one thing I want to say to listeners today, maybe if this is their first episode, is if, if you got some value today, which I can't imagine how you didn't, if you hung with us through this whole show, man, you got a lot of really good practical stuff today. If you want to hear a whole bunch of other episodes where we do this kind of thing, just scroll back in time. Sure. We've got coming up on 800 episodes at this point of people, hundreds of them interviews with great people like Rad. Come hang, hang out with us, spend some time, check it out, get into our free Facebook group. There's a link at silentgym.com. If you're ready to get rolling, get into sure. the Proven Amazon course. There's a link there or call our coaching office. We'd love to chat with you. But hey, Rad, great job today, man. You did a tremendous Thank job. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thank you, my friend. And I, I just think I have a sneaking suspicion you're on a leadership trajectory. Right? Yeah, well, we'll see. I love your heart, um, man. Not- I love your attitude. I, I love what you've built and where it's going. So we'll, we'll be talking again soon, I'm sure. But uh, Okay, thank you. Thank you, buddy. On behalf of the whole team that puts these episodes together and our guest today, Rad, thanks for joining us today. We'll have another great episode for you very soon. We'll talk to you then. Hey, thanks for listening. One last thing before I let you go. A reminder, our friends at Ecom Balance are there to help you with your bookkeeping needs. Know your numbers. Keep great books. Their bookkeeping service is free for two months. If you go to ecombalance.com and mention that we sent you Silent Sales Machine Radio or mention my name, Jim Cockrum, here's the direct link if you want to write it down, jimc.biz slash keeper. Again, jimc.biz slash keeper, as in bookkeeper. Tell them we sent you, get your books in order, know your numbers, make good decisions. Hey, we'll have another great episode for you real soon. Thank you for listening to Silent Sales Machine Radio. Visit SilentJim.com for a link to our free newsletter, our free Facebook group, and all of our resources mentioned on today's show.